This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Ambulatory Surgery Center's podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Michael Dodd, Administrator of First Choice Surgery Center in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Michael, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thank you. Um, nice to be on. Appreciate the invite. Absolutely. So I know we'll talk a lot about you know some of the different trends in healthcare and what you're seeing in terms of growth for the surgery center. But first, could you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Um, my background is fairly odd. Uh, it, it's a long, drawn-out story, so I'll try to give you the short version. Uh, I went to nursing school right out of high school um, because I had several surgeries after a farm accident, cut some fingers, and in one place that I had surgery, I had an awful nurse. The next place I had surgery, I had an awesome nurse, and it kind of influenced, like, yeah, maybe I want to be one of those good nurses, and as a younger person, I didn't finish nursing school. I dropped out in my last semester. Um, I've caught flack about that from everybody I've ever run into in medicine over 30 years. So I decided to join the Air Force. They had a surgical tech program. And so that's what I completed. And I've done that for three plus decades and various jobs lumped into that. I've been an operating room manager, administrator, everything in between to clean floors and working in CS for a while. It's just, I never turned down anything because I wanted to know everything that I could because those are the people that get kept on if things get tight and get promoted if there is opportunity. So that's kind of what I shot for. Absolutely. And that's, you know, a really great point in terms of positioning yourself uh, to grow your career and, and continue thriving in, in many different, you know, ways with different organizations. I'm wondering, you know, based on your experience and in, in everything that um, you've been able to do throughout your career, do you have any advice or what's, I, I guess, kind of the best advice that you would have for someone who's just starting off and, and trying to get into healthcare leadership? Again, I never turned down any jobs because my parents were like, there's no small jobs, just small people, that old adage. And it's absolutely true in my opinion. But I've found that you can learn something from everyone, good or bad, because you either learn um, what to do or you definitely don't want to do what X person did. You don't want to be that guy. And the other one I got when I was still in the Air Force, um, when I was going through the NCO Academy was if you're always the smartest person in the room, then you have not hired very well. And I've kind of taken that to heart. And I try to incorporate smarter people's stuff than me because you can only help yourself. Absolutely. That's a really great point. Kind of run with those. (laughs) Definitely. Definitely. That's, you know, so interesting to think about. Um, All right. So thinking about, you know, your role at First Choice Surgery Center, what are your top priorities today? Oh, um, increasing our volume, trying to keep up COVID kind of threw everybody for a loop in so many different ways, but backing up our caseload is probably the biggest because you can only do so much with the staffing that you have or you wear out your staff and you don't have staff. So there's a fine line between uh, keeping everything rolling, being safe and effective with the patients timely with their scheduling and then not killing your staff in the meantime. So that's the biggest thing. And we're still behind uh, and it's been almost a year. So those uh, couple months that we were closed and then you have to ramp up slowly because if something happens because you tried to go too quick, 
you look ridiculous and you can't do that. Not in today's landscape of healthcare. You just don't want to be that person again. It's one of those scenarios. So we ramped up slowly. Now we're at a full run again, but we had all those months and months of backlog and we're trying to get these patients done. The patients are worried about another wave of it coming. Midwest people are a little more conservative anyway. So if something comes out in the news, they just scramble to go, go do it. So you get people like, I don't want to, I need to get in and have my surgery done before another wave of this stuff happens. And, you know, you try to work with them, ease their minds and, and get their medical care completed as soon as possible. Got it. Got it. That's so interesting. So you're kind of working through the dynamic of, you know, having slowly ramped up cases and still having a backlog. Um, but at the same time, patients want to come in and have their surgeries and have a sense of urgency on that. And then being mindful of the staff at the same time and knowing, you know, what you have the capacity to do and um, not wanting to push too hard. I, I think it, it sounds like there's just a lot of different um, things you have to consider when you're looking at, you know, how you're developing your surgical schedule and what the next few months will bring. Yeah. Um, ours probably won't change much unless something happens COVID wise, because we watch several sites, of course, one's the CDC. So we take all of that into consideration all the time. And we have our own policy and procedures in effect, of course, all the time. And we kind of tweak things as we see what's going on. Uh, again, you don't want to be the person that did something dumb. So we're very cautious. Uh, and some of uh, the problem is <laughs> historically islands are a little overly brave with that stuff. They don't tend to roll with the coast mindset, if you will. So they're like, ah, eh, nothing's going on. Just come on, get me in. I want to do surgery tomorrow. <laughs> and we're like, yeah, we'd like to, but that's not how this works. So we have to be safe. Absolutely. It's an odd uh, problem to have. Definitely. Definitely. I think that, you know, makes a lot of sense. Now, obviously, like you said, things are, are likely going to be um, as they are for the foreseeable future. But when you're thinking about, you know, more longer term growth, whether it's, you know, two, three, five years down the line, um, how are you thinking about that type of growth or the ability to um, potentially expand in the future? Um, adding more physicians, of course, would be um, one of the top couple priorities. Um, we have a two-room facility, but we only use one room when we got our certificate of need. Um, just for safety's sake, we wanted to be efficient and proficient and safe out of one room. There was no big hurry because I only had one surgeon, so that wasn't a big problem for us. And now we're ready to open our second room so we can add more physicians. Our problem here kind of is geographically, not a whole lot of uh, ophthalmologists want to come to a small Iowa town and then we're the second biggest I think in as far as Iowa cities but still it's hard to get good surgeons to come here so that can be a problem um, we don't just want to take anybody of course when, when you've got a good reputation you want to hold on to that dearly so beyond that again it goes back to problems with supplies just a regular personal protective equipment that we use every day, uh, hats, masks, shoe covers, gowns, gloves, that stuff's still kind of tight. So we run into this ebb and flow of we can get it, we can't get it, it's back order, it's off back order. So we have to constantly be monitoring 
different outlets to make sure we can still keep doing surgery, frankly. So that's another issue with that. So it's a juggling act and hopefully we'll be able to get another position or two and keep this trending up, if you will. Got it. That's, you know, definitely interesting to hear that on the one hand, you're kind of ready to expand in terms of patient volume and you've got, you know, the systems down at the surgery center. um, And then it's just a matter of finding and, and recruiting the right person to come in and bring additional cases. I'm wondering, you know, kind of given your space and as you mentioned, being in Iowa, definitely, I'm sure colors some of the things that you watch on a daily basis. What are the three most interesting trends that you're following in healthcare right now? Uh, well, the two I already mentioned are kind of a an ongoing deal, the PPE availability and the changes and updates in the COVID protocols that we're seeing and we see every once in a while. But the other one would be as ASCs were, they kind of had a trending up in usage. Um, there's problems that go along with that also. You, hospitals don't necessarily like you much when that happens. There are problems with insurance carriers covering procedures and their thoughts of their people having it in an ASC versus a hospital. Um, our The age and health of our group of people that we do particularly because in ophthalmology, uh, cataract surgery, the bulk of our numbers is all uh, older folks. It's usually just the way it goes. So in Iowa, we have a larger number of old people than most of the other states. And so you have all the problems with age and health issues and then availability and everybody wants to come in. So we have good things, good draw, bad things like it's so um, needed and got behind. So that causes other problems. And then the COVID and getting supplies so kind of all feed into each other along some pattern. Uh, trying to figure out that pattern and keep a happy medium. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. That, you know, makes a ton of sense. Uh, from your perspective, you know, when you look at the PPE availability, what are some of the ways that you're troubleshooting that? Or basically, you know, when you aren't able to find the PPE, do you have to cancel cases or what does that really look like? Uh, we have used multiple vendors, the ones we usually use. And then we added a few outliers for kind of the just in case we can't get this. I think, and it's slightly political, if you will, but we have a lot of empty factory space in Cedar Rapids. And I have no idea, being almost geographically centered in the U.S., if I was a glove maker, I'd be opening in another factory and just say, let's get rid of the overseas stuff as much as we can. Let's make stuff close to home. Hey, Cedar Rapids is almost in the center of the country. They can ship anywhere fairly quick and easily and cheaply. People are going to have to start thinking like that. The people with money that can pull off deals like that may have to think outside the box and get something done because that could alleviate it for so many places that are really close here. You have Minneapolis, St. Paul, Chicago, Kansas City, Omaha. There's a lot of big cities that are just hours away from us. And I think that would be a genius idea. If I had the, the means, I'd do it myself. <laughs> Absolutely. Become a supply chain investor or, or whatnot. Um, it's so interesting. Um, and I know there's a lot of trains in and through Cedar Rapids as well. So very easy access. Oh, points. yeah. 
<laughs> Definitely. Um, perfect. Well, I think, you know, the last thing I wanted to ask you here before we wrap up our conversation is you mentioned, you know, kind of keeping an eye on the pro- COVID protocols. Um, and obviously, you know, your patient population being highly, you know, the Medicare um, and a lot of, for those cataract surgeries, I'm wondering, is there anything that you're doing right now to kind of prepare for any additional surges or, or do you see really um, being able to kind of maintain where you're at right now? And then um, hopefully, you know, as time goes on, be able to get back to a little bit more of a normal place. Um, we're kind of staying in a holding your own kind of a pattern right now. We're doing, I think, as many cases as I would want to do to be safe and and not be crazy about it. And if something happens, you really look like a bad guy if you do something dumb. So I look dumb enough sometimes the way it is without any help. I don't need to do something that I know is not bright. So I think take care, watch everything, check out the websites, watch what other people do, frankly, and just keep a norm so that you can keep going. Uh, we weren't down that long during COVID. And so when we started back up, we weren't like starting from scratch, but it's, again, it's a, it's a fine line. You don't do anything crazy. Keep on keeping on and be smart about stuff. Take other people's advice. I talk to friends, I have friends all over the country and they have different jobs in uh, central supply and purchasing managers and head nurses and uh, other administrators. I call them all the time. This is, I've only been doing this for three years in this capacity, and I definitely have tons to learn. So I'm more than willing to take information and little lessons from everybody because they've been doing it longer than I have. So um, there's no shame in learning a lesson from other people. Absolutely. Well, Michael, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been a really great discussion, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Thank you, Laura. It's been great talking with you.